Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Let's go out to the Bay Area. Dieter Kurdenbach is back on the bench from the Bay Area News Group. How you doing, Dieter? Pretty well. How about yourself? Hanging in, bro. So... Let's start with the Raiders. I, I have to tell you, I'm uh, I'm pleasantly surprised at how tough they've been on a you know game by game basis. I know they're four and four. I know they're in second place. You could take all that to the woodshed. All I know is they are in every game they play. I mean, they're in every yeah. game. They are giving problems to everybody. They they can score. They can move the ball. Um, I do have questions on the long term viability of that, but we're running out of time for it to be long-term. They uh, they have one of the best backs in the NFL in Josh Jacobs. This rookie out of Alabama is the real deal. And they kind of run everything through him. Uh, they're, they're kind of an old-school offense in that sense, where they're going to run the ball first and pass it second. And Derek Carr has full control over John Gruden's offense. It's not going to wow you. It doesn't have a lot of star power. It doesn't have big play potential. But they just keep moving the ball. And uh, eventually they, they find holes in the defense. They put it in the end zone. It's, uh, it's really fun to watch. It's a little bit of a throwback. Again, maybe defenses will key in on it later on in the year. But, man, yeah, they can, they can score, and that's good because their defense is, is really, really bad. But maybe it has a little bit of opportunism in it. And uh, we saw that at the end of the game against the Lions. They're in it. And uh, that's more than you probably expected going into the season. So you have to – view this as progress for the Raiders. I thought the late touchdown throw to uh, Renfro was a great play. Uh, there was about two minutes left, and then they broke up a fourth down pass in the end zone late in the game to seal the deal against the Lions. The fact that they're making, like, clutch plays late in games is, uh, you know, enough for me to realize that what Gruden's doing there is working. Yeah, absolutely. I think that we have to start when we're saying what well, what's the biggest change for the Raiders. I think we have to start with the offensive line. It has been awesome this year. And last year, it was a complete liability. Derek Carr was on his back more than he was throwing it down the field. This year, he's getting all the time in the world to throw. Now, he's not using much of it. He gets the ball out of his hands pretty quick. But, but he has a clean pocket more often than not. And that's allowing him to sort of feel like himself again. It's not that long ago. 2016 when Derek Carr was almost the MVP of the National Football League so this guy certainly doesn't lack the talent he can make all the throws uh there are still deficiencies there don't get me wrong I don't think he's going to win MVP anytime soon but that that little late game magic that he had it reminded me a little bit of that 2016 season when I think he had seven game winning drives in the fourth quarter uh if you protect him he's going to help you win games and he certainly won't lose you games uh, more often than not, that's where it starts for the Raiders. It's starting up front. Now, if they can get anybody on their defensive line, you might actually be talking about a team that can make some noise come 2020. But, uh, yeah, right now they, they, they need every point that they can get out of uh, out of this offense, and luckily they can score. What do they think of Cleveland uh, Farrell? They still like him. It helps that he's a very high-character kid and that they didn't expect him to be an immediate impact guy. But the fan base is – they're not turning on him because, again, they, they seem to like him. He's got a great personality. You want him to succeed. And, and no one thought that he would come out here and be Nick Bosa. 
But, uh, man, the word bust is starting to get thrown around. He, he just looks completely overmatched against even mediocre offensive linemen in the NFL. Uh, I, I, he had a nice play at the end of that Lions game. Uh, maybe that's something that he can build off of. But for the number four overall pick, when you look at that pass rusher class that we just had in the NFL draft, he's at the bottom of the list. Uh, and when you see what Bosa's doing for the 49ers, what, what Allen's doing for uh, the Jaguars, I mean, even what you know, Brian Burns is doing for the Panthers, you're, you're just wondering how, how the hell did the Raiders, who had second pick out of all of these guys, end up with the worst one of them all? Uh, he, he needs to start showing something down the stretch that people can get some optimism going because you know, once you kind of get that bus label, it's hard to shake it, especially at a position that doesn't have that much difficulty in transitioning from the college to the NFL level, at least compared to, you know, some of the other skill positions. Yeah, no doubt. Dieter Kurdenbach with us, Barry, a news group, uh, because the guy across the bay, Nick Bosa, was the number one player taken, and he has been phenomenal. So he's kind of, like, really overshadowing uh, Farrell. I have to I have to ask you this uh, great matchup Monday night with uh, Russell Wilson against Garoppolo. Uh, that should be a fantastic game. I, I think uh, Wilson, for me, is the MVP. What he's doing in Seattle with nobody around him is uh, really amazing. Meanwhile, Garoppolo's, they're the only undefeated team in the NFL. It's crazy. It, it is. Uh, this is classic Monday Night Football, right? This feels like the marquee matchup that deserves its own day uh, for everyone to take it in. And uh, I, I couldn't be more excited for that game. We have a pretty good Thursday night game here in the Bay Area with the Raiders and the Chargers, but that Monday night football game, we circled it on our calendars when it seemed like, oh, man, the Niners, the Niners might do something because you always know with Russell Wilson under center that the Seahawks are going to be there, uh, even, even though their defense can't stop anybody. And as you mentioned, they don't really have that many dudes on offense, though they did just add one to Josh Gordon. Like, it's just Wilson, and I agree with you. He's the MVP, and he's been the boogeyman for the 49ers. He effectively ended whatever great run the Niners had, uh, five years ago, there's that famous moment of him eating turkey at the center of Levi Stadium, probably the most iconic moment at Levi Stadium to date. Uh, the 49ers have proven that they can beat bad teams. I think they've proven they can beat good teams uh, in, in the Rams and in a couple other guys. They need to prove that they can beat someone who's great. And I don't know if the Seahawks themselves are a great team, but Russell Wilson is unquestionably great, and they got to beat him. If you don't beat him, I just can't move you up into the next class, even if you are – you know, undefeated at this juncture right now. You got to prove it. They have a really tough second half of the schedule, and I'm really interested to see how Garoppolo raises his game. I thought he was awesome last Thursday night on Halloween against the Cardinals. He won them that game. It's been it was the first time in a long time that Garoppolo has lifted up the team. Uh, he seems to be getting better week in and week out. And as a guy who doesn't even have 20 NFL starts, I guess that's to be expected. But if the defense starts to get exposed a little bit, with Quan Alexander, their will linebacker out, I do think that teams are going to start picking them apart a little bit more than in the past. Garoppolo's got to up his game. He has to look at least in the same class or whatever degree you can get to uh, with Russell Wilson. He has to look like he, he's a quarterback who can go toe-to-toe with that guy because the Niners can be really, really good with that defense, but in order for them to be great, for them to be a true Super Bowl contender, they got to have a great offense, too, and we know where that starts in the NFL. It starts at the quarterback position. Do you think that, that means Jimmy Garoppolo. Do you think that, um, you know, Shanahan has actually, because everybody gives McVay all this genius status. I, I think Shanahan's been uh, a way better coach than him. I, I agree with you. I mean, I, I, I like McVay. Don't get me wrong. And those guys come from the same tree. Uh, and what he did 
the, the Rams. McVay's a great coach, head coach. Uh, the culture that they were able to install, uh, the way that everybody's on the same page with the Rams is enviable. Uh, Shanahan is, is showing this year that he can be a great head coach, too. He's had to adjust his game a little bit to uh, to kind of focus more on the defense and special teams and, and not focus so much on the offense. But in terms of play calling and play calling rhythm and just getting dudes open, Shanahan's been the best in the business for four or five years now. Uh, he, he has a bunch of scrub wide receivers. They finally got Emmanuel Sanders, who's a hell of a player. Uh, but before that, they were just dealing with, you know, random dudes that no one has on their fantasy team. He's getting these guys open by five, six, seven yards. Uh, George Kittle goes from a fifth round draft pick into probably the best tight end in the NFL. What Shanahan's able to do, what, how he's able to scheme up games is incredible. You give him competent quarterback play, he'll put 40 on the board every given day. You give him great quarterback play, as we saw uh, a couple weeks ago when they played the Panthers. And, and Garoppolo, I don't even know if he was great, but he was close to it. They put 50 on the board. And, uh, yeah, Shanahan, Shanahan's unbelievable. And it will be interesting to see going forward, uh, not just this year, but in the years to come, it, as more talent develops on that team, what Shanahan can actually do. Because he has a level of, of game planning and a, a playbook that, just no defense can match up with. I mean, He's taking advantage of all the rules. They are running the ball down teams' throats. I mean, they're they're running the ball 35, 40 times a game. They they are really truly the best running team in the league. It's great too. I mean, he, he what did you expect though? He's his father's son. Uh, his dad won two Super Bowls running the ball every single play. Now that was an era where that was acceptable, but. The apple just doesn't fall too far from the tree. And the crazy thing to me is that they've been running the ball with perhaps even more success than they were early in the year with both of their starting tackles out. Both of those guys, Mike McGlinchey and Joe Staley, are probably going to be back for that Monday night game. But they didn't miss a beat in the run game with two tackles missing in an outside wide zone scheme. That's just crazy to me. That shows how good not only Shanahan is in drawing them up, but how good he and his assistant coaches are on building up a sixth-round draft pick and a dude they signed out of the allegiance of American football or whatever. I mean, they, these are total scrubs that they had, and they were doing fantastic stuff on the ground. Tevin Coleman, perfect pickup for them. We know Matt Breed is a dude. Uh, they're going to run the ball, and you got defense, and you can run the ball. That's going to travel in Jan. It's going to travel up until January, and it's going to play big time. Once January comes around, the 49ers at 8-0 are pretty much a lock to make the playoffs at this juncture. What is the Quan Alexander injury doing to their D? Yeah, it will be really interesting. Uh, one of the big things that they did on defense this year with Robert Sala, their defensive coordinator, who's getting some head coaching looks around the league now, but he was kind of on the hot seat coming into this year. He's an old cover three guy from Seattle, and then he went to Jacksonville with Gus Bradley. He believed in the cover three and would run it in a rigid pace. And they got really multiple this year. They changed up the defensive front, knowing that they'd have a bunch of better pass rushers this year. And they started doing two safety looks, zero safety looks. They just weren't as rigid anymore. And defense and offenses really didn't know what to get with them because they had so much athleticism and speed and versatility. And I thought the linchpin of all of that was Alexander, who just gets sideline to sideline as well as anybody. So great in pass coverage. You show me a good defense in 2019, I'll show you two linebackers who can cover the pass. Uh, with him out, I, I'm concerned that they're going to go back to more of that rigid cover three that they've run over the last few years. They've been a bottom defense the last few years. So this jump, I think, had a lot to do with Alexander holding everything together, allowing Robert Sala to get weird with stuff, and really highlighting the positives of this defense. Without him, they're going to have a guy who just can't move around as much as he can out there. I, I don't know how you scheme around that 
because if you leave him out there on the island to ask him to do what Quan Alexander did, he's going to get picked apart. I mean, as much as we want to think that these offensive coordinators are getting really you know, creative and spending hours in the lab, sometimes they just look on the other side of the field and say, that's the worst guy, attack him 40 times in a row. Um, I, I can't imagine that the Seahawks aren't going to do that on Monday Night Football. So it'll be interesting to see how Salah adapts because, again, Alexander – was probably the one guy on that defense who couldn't go down, and now he's out for the year. Do you think uh, Dieter Kurtenbach with us from the Barry News Group? Let, let me ask you: Do you think that um, who are the Giants going to name as their manager? And is Madison Bumgarner actually going to leave there and go? Like, because you're hearing all this stuff that the Braves are after him. Do you see that happening? The, the latter question, yeah, I think that the way that the Giants handled Madison Bumgarner at the end of the season felt as if they were saying goodbye alongside Bruce Bochy. So uh, it would surprise me at this juncture if Madison Bumgarner stuck around with the Giants, especially when you look at the marketplace. If Garrett Cole's going to get 200 and something million dollars uh, and Madison Bumgarner's only going to get 80, he, he should be going to a playoff team. Some team should be smart enough to throw that 80 million for four years at him because he, he's the real deal. He, he's awesome, and he's going to not only win your regular season games, but you want him on your team in the postseason, and that's just not in the cards for the Giants right now. Uh, so it feels like they're going to move on from him. As for the manager, I mean, all signs right now point to Gabe Kapler, and the reason that this is dragging out is because you know the Bay Area. Uh, that This is a place that's going to get its, its panties up in a bundle pretty fast about just anything, uh, and, and what Gabe Kapler – the rap that he has from his time in L.A. is not going to go over well. Add in that he did not exactly cover himself in glory with that Phillies team that he had last year with some of the weird stuff that he was doing early in the year and then his bullpen management, pitcher management late in the year. But he's, it seems like he's Farhan Zaidi's guy. They go back from when they were both with the, uh, with the Dodgers, and, and right now I think that the delay is probably – them figuring out the PR aspect of all of this. I think Kapler's number one on their board, and they're just trying to feel out how they can roll this this news out to the people. And lastly, Dieter, uh, the Warriors, how how ugly is that mess? But you know what? For a lot of people, they're, people are lapping it up because they, you know, they had such an incredible run and dominance and, and all the trips to the finals. A lot of people nationally are sick and tired of them, and they are, are not crying over their uh, injuries. People are actually enjoying watching them suffer. Uh, what's the deal with the team? They look awful. Yeah, well, I mean, that's to be expected when you have literally seven guys who can be in the G League on a nine-man roster. Like, that, that's, they're a G League team playing at the NBA level. And the Warriors, frankly, with Steph Curry's injury and then Draymond Green's injury after that, they're getting a little bit lucky here. Not in that they're not going to stink, but because there's cover for them stinking. They were going to stink if Curry played. They were going to stink if Draymond Green played. And now they have an excuse that they just have dudes that aren't even close to NBA level out there every night. And um, honestly, they'll probably be better off in the long run because they're giving a lot of these young guys serious minutes and serious responsibilities. And when Curry and Draymond do come back, these guys will be just a little bit better for all of the reps that they got going forward. But, you know, in terms of of laughing it up, honestly, like it'd be way more funny if Steph Curry was out there and they were still getting their ass kicked right now. You're looking at, it's hard to root against a bunch of guys who, who, you know, don't belong on the court. You almost feel sorry for them at this juncture. So only 74 more games to go, but this season looked lost before the injury. And now it's absolutely lost. And they're just going for a high draft pick. They, they're going to have a lot of money. They're going to have a $17 million trade ex- exemption. They might have a really high draft pick and a couple of young guys who, because they got so much playing time this year, now look like pretty interesting trade assets 
don't write the Warriors off entirely just yet because they could come into next year and get right back into the thick of things in the Western Conference. But this year, this year they're going to take their licks. So I guess get in the jokes while you can. Dieter Kurtenbach, always rocking on the bench. Great stuff tonight, Dieter. It's always a pleasure having you on CBS Sports Radio. Thanks a lot, brother. We'll be in touch. Let's do it again soon. Thanks. All right, uh, Dieter Kurtenbach. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.